And we are back here once again with another episode of the Iron Man podcast, episode 287 with Mr. Nick Garber, the founder, CEO, and owner of Apogee Comics. Apogee. Apogee Comics. All right. So nice to meet you, man. How you doing, brother? Me too. Doing good. Doing good. Uh, excuse the mess in the office. We're in the middle of a move. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry to hear that, man. So I, I'm not going to say it here, obviously, but yeah, that that fucking sucks what those people are doing to you, man. That's fucking criminal, man. It's such bullshit, dude. I know. I know. But I mean, there's people that can self-justify the things they do to people and they're just happen to be one of them. I just don't get I just don't get people, man. They're just like they'll ruin someone else's life just because it's just for no reason, you know, just dumb. Uh, to move their friends in. I mean, it happens every day to everybody else. So I guess it was just my turn in the pot. But it's going to work out better. I'm going to find a bigger place because I never intended to stay here that long anyway. I, mm-hmm. You know, I moved out from Texas and uh, right. I needed, I had like two days to find a place. I found this one out of steel and it worked well under the old landlords. They sold the place. They moved to Florida. They retired, you know, it's the plan that most people have when they retire. Moved to Florida. <laughs> And I got left with these people and I thought it would be chill, but, you know, I got married again, you know, made another family. So this is, it's, it's a blessing in disguise. That's how I'm looking at it. More office space. Yeah. Cause <laughs> you know, what's talk. weird is cause you said you're from Texas. So you came out to California, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how was life yeah, growing like, up in Texas then? Well, I'm actually originally from California. I grew up in California. My job oh, okay. brought took me to Texas and I became an honorary Texan because I loved it there so much. Um, and then I moved out here um, for uh, to be closer to my kids who are a little bit older now. And, uh, you know, family. Family's always been important to me, so I wanted to be closer to my children. As I draw comic books who are also, those characters are also like my kids. So <laughs> very, All right. I protect oh. them just as fiercely. Let's start here. So, born in California, eventually went to Texas, came back to California. We yeah. got that part done. So, how was life growing up outside of just moving? Did you have a relatively easy, goodish life with family and yeah. everything like that? Yeah, uh, had supportive parents. My mom was my biggest fan as far as like my art. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked up to my dad. He uh, he was in special operations for the Navy. Oh gosh, um, okay. And so, you never wanted to be part of the military because he was in it. I know a lot of people have. Military I did. I was in the military for sixteen and a half years. Oh so. gosh. Okay. Yeah. What made you want to get out? Actually, um, just I was getting tired of fighting other people's wars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're like, you know what? I'm gonna go fight comic book wars. That's even more I'm easier. Comic book wars. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it was. A, I had a great experience. It was just the uh, the environment was changing, and I realized that I was a dinosaur in in that change, you know, I was going to be forced into extinction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I took another, I took another uh, job opportunity, I took another Avenue, another place where I could work outdoors, make a good living, still defend my country. Um, and also work on comic books because these things are expensive to make. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was younger, I didn't know how much it took to actually just not to make a comic book, a book in general, but how much yeah. it actually costs. I thought that it was like, I write a story. I could just get some paper, print it out. And that's it. <laughs> that's right. such, a, such a kid logic. Then I got older. I was like, wait, it takes all this to make a book. Fudge. Right. It's cr- 
God, man. Yeah, I mean, I, just like all the I people made, involved with everything. It's ridiculous, oh, man. I made a couple of trash can books in college, mm -hmm. and even that was expensive, just going to a copy place and printing it out and just right yeah stitching it all together just stapling it together i mean it, it was horrible it was but it was a trash can book i mean you hand it out to to friends and kids on campus and and things like that and even that was expensive and then i i decided to take the leap into making a a published you know uh, a polished product i'm sorry polished product and getting other people involved and how much everybody's worth their weight but i mean paying for it it's so where crowdfunding came in is where like angel investors had come in. Um, whatever leftover money I had went all into this stuff. So okay. yeah, it, it gets pricey. So when did you ever get into comics? Do you remember like your first one? Was it from like Marvel DC? Off oh Kansas? yeah. I was, okay. it was a, Mar it was Daredevil. It was Daredevil. Was okay. Um, I was, I got the flu really bad. I was out for like two weeks. I was like eight or nine maybe 10. I don't know. Kicked the crap out of me. It was, it was like in January or something like that. Mm -hmm. My dad, who was in construction, um, when it, when it's the rainy season, he doesn't work because the ground's all wet. So he, he felt bad for me. He, he knew I was bored to tears and you can only watch so much the prices, right? When you're a kid. So he went out to the, uh, the drugstore. It was Long's Drugs there in Modesto, California. And he bought every comic on the spinner rack back when there were spinner racks. And the first one on top was Daredevil. Um, I used to remember the issue number, but it's got Mephesto's hand and Daredevil's in like this leaping pose. Was, and I read that thing several times. Um, read the cover off it, ended up having to buy another one as an adult. Had to track that down in a comic book shop, you know, in a, one of the pull bins. And I, I was in love with comics ever since. I mean, I had always drawn comics. I was more of a casual comic book fan, you know, with, like Super Friends and Spider-Man and his amazing friends, all the 80s cartoon shows, short cartoon shows. Um, but comics as a medium, yeah, I was like nine or 10. And that What makes you stick with it? Because you know, kids get into stuff and it's odd that they would stick with them for so long, but you stuck with it throughout many iterations. Were you there when like Image, you were there when Image started, yeah. 90s yeah. boom, the 2000s yeah, I era, remember. you're in there like the, 12, yep. the 2010 era, now you're the 2020 eras. You So you've li literally lived through like every era of the comic industry, essentially. Yeah. That's uh, crazy. I guess, I guess you call it from Silver Age on. Yeah, late Silver Age. Into so I'll, I'll ask you this, since you've been through mostly everything. What is something people generally get misconstrued about the past that they kind of like make it sound like it was always a good thing? Um. I don't know. The realm of comics, it was, it, I think it was always a good thing. I mean, you had some crappy books, um, just like you do now, you know, stuff that doesn't, thought that I was going to be reading for years and then it maybe lasted 10 issues or a year and then it was gone. Um, so you had stuff like that. Uh, image came around and changed everything. So that's when people started really getting used to waiting around for books that were supposed to be out at a certain time and then waiting six months and the book still didn't come out. Um, that's probably the, the most horrible thing. Um, but they've actually got, <laughs> they've done better. So now it's like indie comics that kind of do that thing. Mm -hmm. And So I'll, I'll ask you this. We'll circle back to the indie comics thing. So for mainstream comics, do you still currently buy any 
mainstream comics? Like any floppies for any uh, characters, actually? Um, every so once in a while, I'll pick up something. What was the last um, thing you Mark, picked up before Mark, that, actually? Uh, DC's Rebirth, I think, was the last. 2016? Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been reading indie comics since then. Um, I, I found those stories a lot better. What uh, made you stop? Like, what was the day you were like, I'm done with this. I am not going back. The, the constant reboots. I was getting sick of them. Mm-hmm. Everybody getting rebooted. Mm-hmm. The f- people fighting over, you know, the fans fighting over these, what these characters can and can't do. I remember um, being in my local comic book shop. It's called Bonanza Books and Games. Mm-hmm. It was in Modesto. And so I was like 12, 13 years old. I really started getting interested in um, comic book style art mm-hmm. and drawing, doing the sequential stuff. And I was sitting with like my three best comic book friends. Like, right. That's all we did was live, breathe, eat, drink comic books. That's all. Like when we got to school, we were getting in trouble because we're all in the same classes. And we're like, hey, man, did you pick up that that uh, limited issue of Moon Knight? I think Stephen Platt did the cover. He's doing the interiors too. Oh, yeah, man. Next thing <laughs> I'm getting yelled. I got detention. You know, things like that. And I told him, like, because we were bicking her about some stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, man. If any of my books make it or at least get kind of popular and I hear two kids arguing about some dumb stuff about my character, I'm, I'm going to quit. <laughs> I'm going to give it up. <laughs> so you mostly all... left because of the insufferable debates fans would have, fans would have with the characters. Yeah, it, it's, and it's not even that. I, I do encourage um, – thoughtful discourse and disagreement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what makes us human. Um, and, but it just, it was getting vicious. You know? Yeah. It, it got to a point where people were threatening to like beat you up. If you thought that yeah, Superman could beat Goku or oh, something. Yeah. Yeah. Swatting people. I mean, it, it, like, it just got insane. And I'm like, well, for I'm me, dude, it was really weird because DC, you know, they had their reboot with Christ on infinite earth and that was supposed to fix everything. Yeah. Then yeah, you got New 52, where the idea behind New 52, you remember, where they're supposed to basically, it was kind of supposed to be like Marvel's Ultimate Universe. You're supposed to reimagine yeah. the characters. And if you didn't follow the stuff for that amount of time, too, then they'll, you wouldn't have to have read and the comics, right? I was super stoked about New 52. I picked everything up and I followed mm-hmm. it, most of them for at least a couple of months Justice League and. Just like Grant Morrison was really good, actually. Yeah, it got really good um, when Jim yeah. Lee was doing it. Um, I'm a huge Jim Lee fan. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely inspired my art, him and Mark Silvestri. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of people. I mean, the list is long. <laughs> be like, you know it'd be like crazy. an old tiny scroll. Yeah, <laughs> if you all those names on there. If people don't remember this stuff, because this is back when, like, because I'll tell you this other story in a second. It was basically New Fifty Two was supposed to be the idea of like you're new to this. We could be, you got a clean slate here. The problem exactly. that happened, people forget, was they ended up creating stories down the line because it ended up getting really bad. Where if you didn't actually read those stories back in the day or even know what they were, you were lost. And then it got oh, yeah, into this like, big shit show of like Doomsday Clock and all this other stuff. Like, what the yeah. hell's going on? Then I'm, Superman yeah. merging with another Superman, you're like, was this Dragon Ball Z? Like, they fused like, what's going on? Like, yeah, it, so much stuff, right? Superman I read the last story that I. Saiyan. The the last story that I read from New Fifty Two was death, not death in the death of the family, mm-hmm. and then I read it to a point where it, it got it stopped because New Fifty Two was canceled. Because I, I told you about the story before, I had a comic shop growing, growing up around me, so I would go to school, I would like look look up a character's bio, read the story that they right. were currently in. I didn't have any money; I little jam was poor as fuck. So 
we didn't we didn't have comic books. So I was kind of I collected school. cans. I go really? around the neighborhood collecting cans. <laughs> so I, I would literally go to school and just read the stories the characters read. And I was I was reading up to where Death in the Family was and Superman and Court of Owls and all that stuff. And I was like, at a certain point, it all just fell off a cliff. It, it yeah. started out pretty solid and it just went to the dumpster. And then the Rad randomly, 2016, yeah. you have rebirth. And I was like, Oh, yeah. So this is the official clean slate. You're like, okay. And then now, as you know, they have Dawn of DC. That's literally from 2012 till now, in the last 12 years, there's been three reboots. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that turned me off from it. Like growing up, I was mostly a Marvel guy. I mean, I read. Okay. A dare, I, I was a daredevil aficionado, a, mm-hmm. an amateur historian of the man without fear. Because mm-hmm. um, I was raised Catholic and my religion is being... Yeah, represented right here by a blind superhero who should have been a villain <laughs> the whole time. You know, yeah. that's what I think made him so great is that he had that opportunity. He he has a he has a villain's origin. You know, mm-hmm. he's blinded, he's poor, his dad dies. I mean, all that stuff. He could have been like, you know what? Forget humanity, forget Hell's Kitchen. I'm gonna run this place. You know, he could have been the kingpin. I don't, and I'm shocked they never did a what if back when that was a series. Um, did you actually like movie. the we'll start with this one did you like the daredevil movie that was a ben affleck <laughs> i did um because at that time we were so starved for superhero content in that medium i mean you in, you find yourself defending nick cage's ghostwriter you know <laughs> you know it, it, there was a point yeah. where you're like yeah dolph lundgren's punisher wasn't that bad so it's so crazy how I, michael clark duncan pulled off a great kingpin despite actually not physically he looking did, like man. he race. nailed yeah. it Mm-hmm. Like when I read about that in when Wizard was still a thing, um, God, a throwback. Holy shit! I know. I think that went away <laughs> around 2010 and then became uh, con bit uh, conventions business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've been doing this. I've been in this game for a while on mm-hmm. one side of the table or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to be that old man. Like, let me tell you about the time where there was magazines about comic books. You know, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Did you like the uh, Daredevil TV show on Netflix, actually? Oh, huge fan. That was probably the closest iteration. It really reminded me of uh, The Man Without Fear run by Frank Miller, which mm-hmm. it was based off of. So that made sense. Um, it was gritty. It was dark. It really puts you at the uh, the street level, street level hero. And that's what Daredevil is. I mean, he does get caught up in some other stuff. But I looked at him like a grittier Spider-Man. You know, he's, he's a man of, of that neighborhood and he defends that neighborhood. Um, and he does it in a dark way. His morality, his moral base is a little skewed based on the environment in which he was, you know, grew up in and, and was raised in and, and operates in. So that's what I loved about it. It was dark. It was gritty. It had witty dialogue. They nailed Matt Murdock. Um, Charlie Cox did an amazing job on both ends, you know, as Daredevil and as Matt. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm really hoping with Born Again, when they're, now that they're part of the MCU, um, they're going to get back to those roots, those Netflix roots. I hope they do because we – I don't know if you heard that story where basically they uh, had nothing like that for Born Again and Kevin Feige went, scrap this all. That, yeah, he, fi- he fired everybody. The remember, whole remember what they said? Daredevil wasn't going to appear. It's like episode four is like – that sounds so stupid. Yeah, it's like imagine a it's show, like Daredevil Daredevil show Daredevil without Daredevil for the first four episodes. People get people literally drop TV shows in like two episodes if they don't actually catch their attention. You're gonna have the yeah. main character appear in a suit in episode four. 
what were you doing in the other three episodes then? It's like, what is yeah, this? Who, who are you focusing on those first four episodes? That's like you oh. announcing me being on your show and be like, yeah. actually, that's going to be four shows from now. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Could you imagine with some sort of like bait and switch, Electra focused show? Oh. oh, my God. I, I would flip a table. Literally, <laughs> I'd flip my coffee table. Like the Hulk. <laughs> so, the because you, you said you're a huge Marvel guy. So, when, yeah, growing up. how do you feel about the X-Men, actually, compared to what they were versus what they are now? That's so bad, actually. Oh, I grew up in the best time to be an X-Men fan. Mm-hmm. You know? Chris Claremont. Um, John Chris Hickey, Claremont. Jim Lee, John yeah. Byrne, Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. Um... It was a great. You, you were up for Josh family. Whedon's run too, right? Or, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Towards the end there. Um, <laughs> I was around for uh, Straczynski's Spider-Man run, which was a treat. Um, yeah, there was just so much going on from the mid '80s up until, well, like I said, Image changed everything. Um, so, you know, the Extinction Agenda. Um, what are the other stories in there? Days of Futures Past. You know, all the, the, all the yeah. Mutant Genesis, it, you know, uh, what was the other one? Because everything had X in it. They were really good at keeping that brand going. It was like Extinction <laughs> Agenda, and then it was like a whole bunch of other stuff. What was the story with Apocalypse when he first came? I forgot. It was called Technovirus. Oh, that, what was that was, uh, that was an X Factor. He made a shadow appearance in yes. issue five, and then he had his full-blown appearance in issue six. I hunted... Buy issue. I, I bought issue six for about mm-hmm. thirty bucks when I was a kid, which thirty bucks then was like a hundred bucks now. <laughs> I'm, I'm an old man. Um, so, and then it took me, God, fifteen years to track down issue five. Mm-hmm. Every comic book shop I ever that was within a, a radius of anywhere that I lived, I was I was hunting this down. Uh, now you can just buy it on like oh, eBay. Or so since the X Men live action movies that were from Fox, they were always focusing on getting to like they would try to do some like very small scale event to lead to like the Phoenix Saga. But if people actually, if you don't have the books, even if you go and look up the history based on the Phoenix Saga in the comic right. books, you can't just do that in three movies. People, is three yeah. movies enough? You can't. These are like long drawn out stories to the point where if you do not have the proper setup it is going to fail that is like just randomly doing blackest night without any setup and then we would come oh, out yeah. Like crap. yeah it's like how why is batman a black lantern i don't know what's going on here <laughs> i love you how know, the black uh, ones are death <laughs> like, what? yeah oh god <laughs> Oh, you use the color telling us there, you know, yeah, like, whites on, bring out whites bring out life. It's like, oh my god. Oh, <laughs> oh well, Lord. I mean, your purest light in the universe technically is, I guess it would be white. But I mean, True. if you, but everybody now wants to make everything kind of racial too. What did you think Every, about everyone, Rob Liefeld, Deadpool, X Factor characters like that? Did you like those characters actually? Uh yeah, I got it. I got um, I got his first appearance before he was the Merc with the mouth before. Mm-hmm. Um, that what was his name? The writer. He's got starts with an N. I can't pronounce it. But uh, so the early days when he appeared in New Mutants, um, yeah, he was he was a B list villain. He was he was a heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I thought he was cool. I thought his look was amazing. I'm like, man, who's this crazy looking Spider Man ripoff with swords <laughs> and guns and pouches everywhere? 
and then I read about what they were doing. I mean, the writers yeah. they were doing that. He is a straight rip off of dead of dead of death stroke. Straight. Yeah. Yeah. God. Uh, Instead of Wade Wilson, he's like, Wade yeah. Wilson. I mean, come on, come on, Rob. I mean, I love you, man, because you've had you know, um, you've been in the business for a while, and you've you still get work. But uh, there's two things you need. I need you to fix. I need you to stop ripping off dudes, and I need you to learn how to draw feet. And, you, and his clap back would be like, I don't even know who you are. And I'm like, absolutely, <laughs> you don't. But I think uh, not to I compare myself. But I used to I get insulted really... when people would tell me, hey, man, your stuff's looking like Rob Liefeld stuff when I was a kid. And I'm like. <laughs> First of all, will let it be considered a compliment at, at that point? Uh, it was. I wasn't a big Liefeld fan mm-hmm. um, growing up, especially when I was like, man, I want to do comics. That's what I'll grow up to be. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone else like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a hedge fund manager or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I want to, I want to live a popper's life and draw comic books and go to conventions <laughs> and, and sign shit. So, so at a single point now you haven't, you very rarely will dip into mainstream comic books. You've been mostly focusing on indie stuff since 2016, right? Yeah. So you've basically been what? It's 23, about seven and a half years removed from the mainstream. So what do you I'll think? Pick up stuff. Yeah. Like if, okay. if, if stuff generates a buzz. Okay. Like, so uh, like DC, Predator DC, versus DC Wolverine. DC Metal. Predator okay. versus Wolverine. DC Metal. Okay. Um, uh, Marvel's Dark Age. Okay. You know. Um, so Justice League versus buzz. Godzilla and Kong. <laughs> oh, I would make that into a movie, man. I would sit there for <laughs> six hours just watching that nonsense. Oh god! Like I always kind of wanted that too. Like the the fan service comic books we got last year, like Predator versus Wolverine. Uh, Justice League versus Godzilla and Kong, those are legit right there. Because you know, superhero movies right now are certainly making money. Those those will make you money. That that is oh, guaranteed super, money. Superheroes and kaiju's, man. <laughs> uh, it's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You put those two halves of bread together with those contents, mm-hmm. it's gonna make you money. So since there's a lot of, I'll say, structure when it comes to making a comic company or having them book some, as you said before, it takes a lot of money to do this. So when you made your compa company, what was the name of your company inspired by? How did you come up with what the name Apogee Comics? Uh, we we had, we wanted it to start with an A. Um, okay. So if we got in into Diamond, we're right at the beginning when people are looking through the catalog to work. Makes sense. Okay, that, I that, like it. That was that was our uh, kind of our focus because um, mm-hmm. we had both. It was two companies that merged together to make Apogee, and we had all had comic book endeavors in the past with different names. And we decided, hey, let's do this and let's let's totally rip off image as far as its uh, structure. It's, you know, how the company is formed. Originally, nothing, nothing would be owned by Apogee other than the logo. You know, we were all going to be independent studios like how um, image was. Um, some of us were a little bit more successful in funding for our books, which caused animosity. And then it was like, hey, well, maybe we should just make it a big giant pot and we all draw from it. And I'm like, I don't know, because it feels like I'm some of I us are I doing the doing the hard work, you know, generating the. Uh, the yeah, because 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 people are going to understand this when they hear this on the podcasting platforms where it's going to be on. When you generally do stuff with other people, this always happens, even in relationships. One person does more than the other. It's just how it is, whether it's like based off merit or like agreement, it's just how it works. So I'm curious, you probably thought if I just do it all myself, I don't have to deal with like issues surrounding like my friends saying like, you backstabbed me and all this stuff. Because happens in complex industry all the time. Artists, writers, like you screwed me over out of thousands of dollars. I go, bro, we don't have a contract here. What were you talking about? I don't even know you. (laughs) 
you know, and it's like you try to get someone else inside that circle, like, hey, man, could you draw a couple of pages for me? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to charge you my page rate. I'm like, dude, we're in this together. <laughs> Full page rates, too. Like $400 like, a page. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. Hell? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going I'm to charge $200 a page. I'm like, dude, your inks aren't even $200 a page. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, because some people are just in that plus where they're like, well, I don't know how to draw it. I'm just going to shadow it out. It's just going to be mm-hmm. all black. You know, I'll do the outline later. So you had something whatever. similar to like, what image had you had like friends who thought it was going to be a melting pot. So what made you have the decision of like, okay, I just want to do this by myself then. Um, it, it's it's that they that. Like it not was backstab you. There, there was some backstabbing. There was some infighting. There was some, <clears throat> some attitudes that I was like, Hey, listen, I know we said we all had a vote, but I'm paying for 80% of this stuff. Why is my vote less than yours? Um, so I, I, I bought out people. I was okay. like, Hey, listen, um, I think you guys should do your own thing. You know, there's no hard feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. but here's money. Go do something else. (laughs) You basically just gave them kind of like fuck you money, essentially. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't even that much. I think because I there were some we weren't in the black. We were in the red on a a lot of things. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, Shipping is one thing I never really um, attributed. I was like, oh, you know. It's probably not that expensive. So I could probably ship out these books for like, I don't know, two, three bucks. And then it's like, oh, wait, I got to ship it to Norway because some of these campaigns, I, you have international fans. So it's like, oh, man, right. I send this to Sweden. That'll be 32 bucks. You know, and I'm yeah. like, oh, damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, so, you know, I just I saw the uh, the collective funds to do business draining and it was mainly on shipping. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so with that, I was like, uh, I could just absorb your your percentage of debt with a company but you're not going to do that so mm-hmm. i'm like here's here's a couple hundred dollars go forth and do your own thing and i wish you all the best and do you still yeah. have contacts with those guys at any point not now anymore. not anymore not okay. anymore there was one um that i did a lot with and um people grow priorities change you know and i'm just like yeah. i don't think i'm be your friend anymore and because it's crazy. People always ask, man, like, why is there so much drama in comic books? It's like, well, then I will always pose the question of that question. It's like, isn't there not drama in anything? Like, yeah. why would it just because it's complex, it wouldn't have drama? It's like, do people think they say like, kumbayas over here? Like, what is what do people think, dude? People, do people, well, that's why they pet pizza people. They're like, why is there drama in complex? Why is there drama in anything by that logic? Then, like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. It's just like any other business, any other corporation mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, I think where people, the pitfall of comic books is that people get into it with their friends. And anytime you do business with friends, it's, you have tr- trouble differentiating between the friendship and the friend, the professional relationship and, you know, your friendship, you know, they try and take advantage of one or the other. Um, not saying everybody does that, but it, it eventually happens or there's a miscommunication or there's a misunderstanding. And next thing you know, you guys aren't talking to each other and comics aren't getting put out. You've got fans asking, when's this coming out? And you don't want to air your dirty business. You know, like, oh, well, there's some infighting going right now in corporate. So the books could be delayed by six months. You know, it just it's not a good business model. So after that, it got to a point where you were funding for campaigns, right? Because, uh, uh, and before I ask you the other thing, which is this, you the writer, colorist, inker, everything essentially, right? I was. Um, 
when I did so how, how many jobs do you tackle on now then? Right now I just I, I handle the uh, the pencils and inks and I'll do the lettering. Okay. okay. So I I had to I'm you only one person. out doing everything. Go back to Ryan. For the comic oh, book, you'll notice there's letterers, inkers, pencilers, writers, artists, it's, editors. It's, so it's many takes jobs, man. So many hours. Um, yeah. The first issue I made, like it was like 2011. I'm like, oh man, I'm in my 30s. Everyone told me I should do a comic book with these characters, and I haven't done shit. Uh, let me do this real quick. So I locked myself in the office for like four days and, and pumped out a script and started working on it. And I logged the hours every. Every minute I, I worked on any aspect of that book, I was logging the hours like I was getting paid for it. And it turned out to be somewhere like 172 man hours for one issue. And that's so now I was doing everything myself at that point. And so it's a lot easier when you have 172 man hours to make a book and you're able to divide it amongst a team. You know, right. everybody's got their, their part. It does go by so much quicker. So like the, like the Ford factory, you know, the conveyor belt, the mass assembly, that's kind of what I look at. Hmm. You know, I'll draw it and I'll ink it. And then when I move to the next page, I've sent that page off to the colorist, you know, and they can work hmm. on their thing. When he's done, he sends it back. I send it to the letter, hmm. you know, all while this is being um, scrutinized by um, an editor who, if you have hmm. a good editor, he's going to tear your stuff apart, you know, because he's trying <laughs> to make the best product, best, best yeah. product for you possible. And for continuity errors and, and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah, when you divide it up, it's so much easier. But when I was doing it by myself, I did the oh first two God. issues of Phantom Hawk by myself. And I was like, man, it, it, I'm, I'm going to start drinking, you know, heavily. <laughs> I just find it crazy how you at one point literally did all the jobs. And now you said, I just, so at one point, did you realize you just got burnt out with doing everything? Was it the second campaign? Yeah, because, campaign? Um, and this is, the, Man, those first five issues of Phantom Hawk that I did, which I don't even release anymore because like my artwork progressed because I was starting from ground zero. I'd never done sequential art before I did pinups, posters, things okay. like that. Sequential art, totally different animal. I'm telling mm -hmm. a story visually. Like I mm -hmm. and I read all the books. You know, you can read all the books in the world about sequential arts. Until yeah, you it's yeah. It's like when you go to college and you learn something, or like you're in yeah. a certain field, until you're actually doing it, it's way different. Right, theory versus application. Right, yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I had all the theory. I hadn't, mm -hmm. you know, done the field work. I didn't do my clinicals. I didn't do, you know, the ground stuff. So, and I thought I was, I was cocky. I was arrogant. I'm like, oh, I've been drawing cool stuff all my life. I'm gonna nail this. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this, <laughs> you know. So it was a lot of trial and error. That's why I don't release them anymore. I, I might release them later on, as kind of like a. Uh, aspiring artists like hey man this is where i started and this is kind of where i ended up and you can see the difference yeah dude it's just so crazy that if you tell people that they're gonna go like oh he just did it all wrong that's that's the problem with the comic industry is people yeah. even though you were you know successful in the lines of stuff you're able to do you had your campaigns fully funded you even got them out mm -hmm. on everyone everyone's got their orders just that alone i would consider a success Based off the mass yeah. scale that it has. And people would probably tell you some bullshit like, you're doing it wrong. You should have did it this way. It's like, do you not understand yeah, everything that goes into that? <laughs> every Everybody's a critic. That's what I yeah. found out about this industry. Um, so the first five issues was all self-funded. Mm -hmm. um, and I would sell it at conventions and, and things like mm -hmm. that. Or I'd be like, I'd release on Facebook. I'd be like, hey, uh, this issue's out. Hit me up if you want a copy. I'm like, all right, cool. And then, you know, a little PayPal exchange and I'd ship it right. off to him. Um, 
And it was great. It was fun working on those. Uh, getting into crowdfunding campaigns, that's like having a second or a third job. Um, I had a, I've had a few successes with those. Not a few. Um, I've had quite a few successes. Um, I've had a few, a few failures, too, where I was like, oh, what the hell did I do wrong this time? Because I, I used the same template that I did last time. What the hell happened? So there was a there's a lot of um, inward thought and self development going in, even in that you know especially when you find people that are making twenty thirty one hundred grand on a on a crowdfunding for a comic book but yeah there are people out there who can get like seven k and even when they the book's finished and done and fulfilled they made like nothing on it it's just ridiculous yeah. to think about you know like seven thousand dollars people think that's a lot of money for a book yeah but that's a lot in not in it's just in theory that yeah, it is a lot of money, but when you start dividing that into five different ways, because everyone's got to have their bills paid too, it's a whole different ball game there. Now, yeah, a lot you of this, most of it when you buy yourself, yeah. but doing it by yourself, you burn yourself out. There's a death, it's a death spiral, you know. You, you're not the candle's not burnt on both ends. You like dipped it in kerosene and lit the whole damn thing ablaze, <laughs> you know, and then stuck it in an oven just for speed. Um, <laughs> your average comic book. If ever if we were all in the NDC being paid our respective like industry standard mm -hmm. rates, right? It costs you twenty, thirty thousand dollars to put out a comic book. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're doing things on the cheap. We're doing it with friends. We're doing right. it for back end deals. Um, I would say that comic books, it's always going to be a passion project unless you're Marvel mm -hmm. DC image. You know, where you can throw that kind of even now. You know, they're not really selling books yeah. themselves now. You know. Right. Actually, indie comics um, collectively, um, what do we hold? We hold like somewhere around 22% of the comic book readership last I read. It's ridiculous to think about now. Yeah. To, to think that somebody in a home office like mine mm -hmm. is competitive. Now, you've got to think collectively. Right. Um, we're, all, we're all doing this and we're, and we're all together competition for Marvel and yeah. DC an image and there's a variety of stories out there. I think it's probably why I'm reading more of those now because yeah, I, it takes time and I'm not going to get an issue every month, but every time I get a new issue from one of these indie books, I'm like, man, this guy's getting even better, mm -hmm. you know, or, and we're getting pretty good talent out, mm -hmm. you know, guys that are breaking their, you know, um, getting their break in indie comics or moving on to, DC and Marvel and things like that, like Netho, Netho Diaz, who's now, he was working on Daredevil. Um, he started out as an indie comic guy. You know, he was drawing for indie comics. And now look at him, you know, he's a breakout star. And So the Apogee Comics website, th th this is yours, right? Yes. Okay. So for people on here, if they're coming here to check out your books, what is available versus like, what is like, obviously a crowdfunded thing that's done? They're all available now because everything's been funded um and okay. the, everything's awesome. everything's been um distributed amongst those funded you know those that okay. you know contributed campaigns because i won't put anything on the website that hasn't been fulfilled so it's called this solar and prime issue number one your books yeah at, I, our looks pretty solid i like it priced at five dollars yeah. probably like from ten dollar shipping clause there would be like 15 but no no i liked it yeah because that's the thing though you have books the leftover books you probably have from a campaign is what I, most creators tell me get a website so you can sell them yeah. Right. On your yeah, own website. So you can take it off Indiegogo or Kickstarter. So you can make more of the money by yourself on your own website. It's a, it, yeah, you still have your platform feasible running, running a website, but at least and, you get more of it than just being on their other platform. Right. You know? Right. 
And it's funny you brought up Solarium Prime because I didn't do any type of crowdfunding for it. I, really? I did it all out of pocket, put it as a pre-sale wow. like uh, Eric July did. I didn't make $3 million off it, obviously. Imagine but, if you did. That'd be ridiculous. What oh, <laughs> life-changing money. Insane. How many books could you make off $3 million just using that alone? I could make all of them. Everything that's in my head, I could be like, here you go. <laughs> Get to work. Here, here you go. Just throwing so, stacks of cash at people. What was the idea behind creating the, this character then? I wanted I I, I wanted a cosmic hero. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with Phantom Hawk. He's kind of he's my street level hero. Mm-hmm. So I want, and then I had the Crimson Guardians, which was a really kind of I don't even know the best way to describe it. Like, a, a, I guess an ethereal type hero who links up with a human being that has his own little demons and they go out and fight demons. So, um, Solarum prime was a character that I had is in the back of my head. I kind of modeled him after a little bit after me, put a little touch of myself in there. You know, he's this kid who gets his powers at 15 after this horrible spaceship accident. And, uh, and right at 15, he gets these powers from, you know, cosmic entity mm-hmm. and just, and goes off world. Right. And the story picks up like five to six years after he's been off world. And it, it picks up that he's in a, mm-hmm. an alien space prison. So, you know, so I know you made a big update about which comics your company's going to focus on. So I remember reading that the Crimson Guardians is going to be basically just a one shot now for the most part. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, what made you make, the, make that decision then? Uh, disagreement with the uh, co-creator <laughs> oh no why are yeah. you always getting in arguments with people man what is what are you doing oh man like i try to keep <laughs> to myself you know um, i learned my lesson on facebook many times after being put in facebook jail about my opinions and i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna play it straight you know i'm, I'm not oh, gonna talk God. about my opinions about anything except unless it's complex and even then it's gonna be the most vanilla Tame. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. mayonnaise level um yeah, very tame. It's like, oh, I don't really like this. However, I do see some things in it that I could like. I don't know. I leave it to you. Let me know in the comments below. And then but it's people fighting in the comments. And next you know, they're getting banned. Um, so on your website, for people who are going to come and watch this episode later on and watch the replay, yeah. go to the website right now. You can buy books and, you're, and you'll ship them to them, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, gotcha. sh- okay. They, they ship out usually in 24 to 48 hours, and I usually send it uh, three to five day mail. So it gets it gets in your hands pretty quick. Awesome. Okay. And um, I need to put worry. an option on there if you want stuff signed. So. Oh, I just put an order in right now for uh, oh. Crimson Guardians because you said it's going to be a one shot. So finish yep. that and-, and 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 to be honest that's probably some of the best work i've done in the last couple of years i mm-hmm. i really enjoyed that character yeah. all right so if you get an order from this debit card number obviously that'd be me just saying gotcha gotcha all, all right, right. We'll, we'll make sure i'll place the order right now there you go yeah it's gone through awesome you want it signed oh uh, i actually don't like that stuff i hate when my stuff gets signed honestly all right well i'll tell you what i will do I'll find one of the stickers and throw it <laughs> If anything touches Roadhouse. Not just because I found a guy reference. <laughs> Roadhouse. <laughs> going so around yeah, roundhouse my, people. Put in my order for the Crimson Guardians. Okay, cool. Awesome. Appreciate Always your business, man, Anytime. Always, man, make sure you support the indie guys. There's a Grok. 
I don't know how that guy does it, man. That guy's got so much stuff. You know, Grocky, Grocky Universe Comics guy. Yeah, rap. yeah, I know. Yeah, I, know I don't Bill. know how much uh, Bill Bill puts in work, man. His website. I, I think look, Bill has four clones that that does work for him. I I think he literally wakes up at like twelve o'clock in the night and doesn't go to sleep until twelve o'clock the next day. He that man is insane. His website is all put together. His books are all art color looks nice. He has his stories all laid out. If I, I ever got to that level, just that level, I'd be cool. I'll be I've done that. some work for Grok. Um, mm-hmm. I did a couple of uh, pages for Street Hawk. I think that's his name, Street Hawk. Mm-hmm. One, I one would love to have Bill on a show, but the problem is Bill is he doesn't he doesn't like doing this. He's, he doesn't. He doesn't. Um, he's, he's a very opinionated, opinionated man. He's made enemies. Um, <laughs> um, but him finding the time in between everything that he does, yeah, it's that's why people the, tell the guy me, don't sleep. That's why when people tell me. They can't, their campaigns are laid and all sort of stuff. It's like, dude, you have a family, you have a wife, you got kids, you got all the stuff going on. I have my own yeah. stuff. Everyone's got built. We know for sure he's busy. It's, it's like the people that always brag about late campaigns, stuff like that, they just don't want it badly enough. If you want to get your stuff done, you will focus nothing but your oh, mind absolutely. on it. You know, you, oh, that I, I, what it costs to get it, this stuff I done. Got, there's been many late nights in here, uh, me and the wife, two, three know, in the morning. Boxing. Yeah, getting boxing things done. up, yeah. slapping stickers on them, getting them ready, and then I, mm-hmm. the, the post office hates me because I'll go in there with like <laughs> all the way up to here, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is it for today, you know. And they're like, gee whiz, man, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, like I said, what we do is passionate. We're mm-hmm. it's, we're passionate about this craft. We're passionate mm-hmm. about the stories that we tell, mm-hmm. and I, I I'm no different than any other indie creator. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have that story to tell, and we will do that. We'll sacrifice sleep. We'll sacrifice meals. We'll sacrifice time with our family. I'm yeah. lucky enough to have an awesome-ass wife who <laughs> wants to contribute and wants to help. So I gave her so – she's like, all in on your uh, your passion, right? She's all in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we got together, she's like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I do this for a living, but what I really do on the side is this. She's like, oh, my God, that's awesome. So okay. she's – She's a fellow nerd. She's mm-hmm. into comics. She's into sci-fi. You know, she's all about this, you know, this life. And uh, yeah, dude, so even I had- you just have right there as an inspiration in me. Having my own website, my own books there so people can buy them, man. It's damn. Is, is, is this surreal when you actually can have the book in your hand whenever you do get it done? Oh, dude, it's every time. It doesn't get old. It never gets old. Yeah. Um, like, I'm, that, I'm as excited you know how- about mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. The the latest issues is things that come in that I was in December of 2012 when Phantom Hawk issue one and two came off the print. I actually, I took one mm-hmm. first one off the stack when it got delivered, I assigned it to myself. I'm like, this is what happens when you follow your dreams. You know, real cheesy shit. And yeah. then signed it, you know, <laughs> Nick. And then I, I, I put it in a comic book coffin. I, I coffined it mm-hmm. and it's one of my most prized possessions. So mm-hmm. It never gets old, whether it's Phantom Hawk issue one, Solarum Prime number one, Bengali mm-hmm. issue three, every new batch that comes in, I, I'm still in awe. I'm like, I can't believe I made this shit. Yeah. It, it's so much different in real life when you finally see this stuff done because I, I do a lot of shows like this talking to comic creators like you and a novel into this indie guys. And when I go to Barnes and Noble sometimes, I see all the books made, and it's just a, such a surreal feeling when you see it made there in front of your yeah. face, with like seeing all the internet and people just debate about it. It's like, oh, just getting the chance to your own creation done that you can start selling to people, you can get them to invest in your yeah. stories. It's priceless. 
right right there. Yeah. And then you you get that because it's definitely a, a serotonin dopamine rush, you know, all the all the happy chemicals in your brain. And yeah. then you get hit with it again when you do conventions, when you're working your table, you know, and you have some kid who's eight, nine years old and he's begging his dad for an advance on his allowance so he can pick up your stuff, you know. And then oh, I'm like, do you want it signed? He's like, wow, would you? How much is that? I'm like, it's free, man. The bank's been getting my signature for years for free. So you, you get it too. So. And then you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe that just happened. You know, and that'll happen several times throughout the weekend on a convention. And just boom, serotonin, dopamine, boom, boom, boom. All the happy chemicals hitting you in the brain. And that's what keeps you going. And, and it's definitely surreal. God, man. And you, you, you used to be doing this for how long, you said before? Uh, my first convention mm -hmm. and the official release was 2012. Um, for my wow. Books. Good lord! So, so twelve years. Oh my lord! I, I now I know why I have great. Man, twenty twelve. That's when the Avenger was dropped. Yep, that was a good time. Yeah, I remember when the event, the Avengers dropped. At that moment in time, that was the fastest movie to take in a billion dollars. Took a billion dollars in seven days. That's crazy to think about. I know? was I was in the National Guard, and me and a f few other soldiers, mm -hmm. we snuck off base to go mm -hmm. see it to go see the midnight showing. I remember just the hype coming in about it. People were like, is this going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Because if it's bad, then Marvel kind of wastes a lot of money attempting this. Because, you know, the first phase was, I won't say rough, but, you know, it was doing setup. And this was the big right. payoff at the time. I always say that, like, the MCU started with Iron Man, but Avengers is what really put it on the map. You know, like, when Avengers yeah. hit and was really big, oh, you just had to be there. Avengers, when it hit, it hit big, honestly. You're, DC's just sitting there going like, that 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 face of Will Smith game, he's talking to Jada. <laughs> just, just like this. <laughs> Look at the competition, just do what they were trying to do for the longest time. Seeing it all And then DC, yeah. DC tried to play catch up and they failed miserably. Oh yeah, they failed. And, and by failed, they, it's hard to say. They started and it just came quickly tumbling down. It's like when a kid say, is building like with Legos and you yeah. start, you kick them down. They they tried, but it was just it was just not good. Like I liked Man of Steel, I liked mm -hmm. BVS, uh, mm -hmm. Wonder Woman was fantastic, and then it was at that point they're like, eh, "Now's a good time. We got the Trinity made. Let's let's just do a you know mm -hmm. Justice League movie." And Zach was doing a great job, and then his tra you know tragedy in his family, and then Joss Whedon took over and he treated it like an MCU movie, which mm -hmm. is not the tone that they were doing. And I was it's, like, oh. it's crazy because he wanted more time. He even said he needed more time, but you know, Warner Brothers, Kevin Suchi hard at the time was like, nope. Warner Brothers is trash. Remember, remember when they gave JJ Abrams $50 million to do quite literally nothing? Yeah. What a terrible company, dude. What an awful company. I, that's why they keep getting sold, you know. Um, it's like AT&T bought them and then <laughs> someone else is trying to buy them. And oh, they don't buy, buy the Discovery Channel now. That's crazy. Yeah. So DC Comics would be nothing but animal themed characters, you know. Oh, man, hey, I love Shark Week. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Shark Don't Week. Get, uh, dude, I plan my life around Shark Week. Ah, God, I, man, I love watching Shark Week. But if you, it's crazy how David Zaslav, like, basically, uh, one of his most valuable assets he said was Shark Week. I was like, yes, finally, someone gets it. Shark Week is fun. I don't care what people say that. That's probably one of the best times on television. Still, you'll probably if when that happens, you're going to get a, a four to six issue miniseries of King Shark. During Shark Week, probably. <laughs> oh my god! I remember like that would be awesome. Some of the, you remember like seeing some of the stories based around like Shark Week, some of those really deadliest ones where a guy like was bit by a great white shark so hard in his freaking thigh 
that you can see all the flesh peel off and blood. He died yeah, yeah. from like, blood loss. Stripped, it like stripped all that flesh off. Him. Good you lord, know, the guy coming out of water that that still haunts my dreams. That great whites can leap themselves 10, mm-hmm. 15 feet into the air. I'm like, great. They can they can leave the water. You know the story of the Australian guy who got the great white bit him on the rib cage and somehow he. Oh yeah, him yeah. Fuck, dude. Just imagine that. I, I I got stung by a stingray once, and I didn't want to go back in the ocean forever. Wait, no way, yeah, I really? I could, yeah, uh, yeah, because I live in San Diego. Um, oh so shit! Jet, yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm in uh, California too, so I, I'm, San Diego. Oh my god, I don't know how you do it out there, dude. San Diego was voted the highest freaking expensive city yeah. in the world now, which is did that saying something? Because the highest city up until that point was Manhattan, and then like Chicago. Now, San Diego's just like you know what? We'll just we'll just. Take, take it off your hands, you know. We'll be the most yeah. city in the world. <laughs> yeah, we got this. We got this. And it's like, um, <laughs> we don't got this. Everyone's struggling out here. <laughs> Even people man. that are making good money, they're like, man, I can't afford this. And I'm like, well, at least you can go to the grocery store, dude. <laughs> I'm eating yeah. hot dogs and top ramen over here. Dude, yeah. I'll go to I'll be shopping at Dollar General getting like TV dinners and freaking bologna. Not bologna, I hate bologna, salami and cheese or whatever to make sandwiches. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, we're not. I ain't spending no hundred and twenty dollars on food. If I did that, I'd be broke. Honestly, I feel I feel like I have an accumulation of wealth if I make a three egg omelet right now. So. <laughs> What's up, I'm Dave? Like, I, I don't want to brag how how well I'm doing, but I, dude, I I'm being honest. Here, when I go on that, when I go my other room here and I make a TV dinner, I feel like I'm eating a five star meal. Honestly, oh yeah, I I bring out the fancy silverware. I'll take it mm-hmm. out of the plastic container. It'll go mm-hmm. in the nice china, the plates that I bought at Dollar Tree for a buck ninety nine, and. Uh, you can't tell because they're beautiful, you know. And I have my fancy meal. So the other they other start thing, selling I, wine at Dollar Tree. I'm in. Yeah, right. If Dollar General starts selling the other stuff, we get at like Walmart. Um, yeah, because my Dollar General is just up the street. So it's about like ten minutes up the street. I, I imagine you guys have a bunch of Dollar Generals out there in San Diego too. Oh yeah, you can throw a rock in. <laughs> yeah, if I have a handful of rocks, I'm either going to hit a taqueria or I'm going to mm-hmm. hit a Dollar General or a Dollar Tree. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't have a good arm, so I can't hit the Walmart yet, but we're working on it. Good Lord, man. Because I, I was check, checking through the stuff I ordered from indie comics. This stuff all sent, but when you order so many books and stuff like that, like people, this guy tried to get on me today. He's like, you waited this long to read this book? I was like, well, first of all, I, I don't claim I've read something until I have. And then I was right. like, second, I can't just get to everything. I have a, I have to work. I have content I'm doing. We, we are literally live seven days a week, okay, people? Yeah. Multiple podcasts, yeah, you have a, multiple you gaming have a busy streams. schedule. And then I do pre-recorded content. Then I'll clip some of the content to upload to my YouTube channel. I have to get my episodes on Spotify. It's like, I'm sorry if I don't have time for every little thing. Right. What, what is that? People are stupid, dude. I, I, I have a lot of issues that, I, that are stacked up. And I have a sticky note. I'm like, I'll read to it when I, I'll yeah. get to it when I can. Uh, one of them is even ISOM number one. So, I just finished reading that today. So we're gonna do a book club review about. I are you really? Today. Yeah, I did. Yeah, because you know it's crazy. I flipped through it. I like the art. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know how the story is. I so like you mentioned earlier. There's a lot of drama surrounding comic books. So for me, I wanted to do a book club based around comic book stories, right? So everyone does book clubs for like that's awesome fantasy, sci-fi, other novelist books. So I thought about getting people together on like Wednesdays. People are usually free on Wednesdays. We'll pick up a company, Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, Boom, Indie stuff, whatever. And just instead of when we're drama, cover what's in the book, story, art, all that stuff. You know, tonight we're going to do it officially because I've been talking about doing it for a long time. I was like, fine, can do it tonight. 
with ISO number one. Then we're going to do ISO number two with an alpha core. Then after that, we're going to do, well, whatever, whatever flow floats our boat generally. Alpha core with my good friend Chuck Dixon. Oh, good. Good old Chuck Dixon. Oh, good guys. old Chuck Dixon. Imagine being Chuck and be, you, you wrote Batman. That is like the pinnacle yeah. of the You dream broke right his here. back, dude. <laughs> you created Bane. Um, I do let me meet some created, nightfall. Yeah, you, you've done some of the most uh, prolific Batman stories mm-hmm. um, in the past. I, th- I think the best one in the modern era is the mm-hmm. Court of Owls. Uh, Scott Snyder just nailed Scott, it. Yeah, Court of Owls is amazing. It's and, so crazy how great, they can't do art. stories like that, right? It's It blows your mind that they can't do stories like that anymore because of their, you know, can't get into it right now, but, you know, social, ideolo- ideological, political bullshit yeah. they're on um, right now, man. You know, and I agree that comics have always had that kind of mm-hmm. um, social awareness and, and political stuff, but it, it wasn't so in your face. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was subtext. It was allegory. It was mm-hmm. background. It it set the world up. And when I well, when I started doing comics, it's like I want to make comics, you know, fun. Mm-hmm. I, I want to bring back that '90s style, not just mm-hmm. Image, but even Marvel in the '90s was just. It was just damn fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd pick up a book and you would just be, it'd be like a Jerry Bruckheimer film for 22 pages, you know, action, excitement, story, you know, drama, mm-hmm. tension, you know, and then you'd be like, all right, cool. I can't wait till the next one. I, I don't, I didn't really feel that anymore, mm-hmm. you know, around 2010. Well, after the new 52, you start going to rebirth and then you start mm-hmm. getting into stuff with Marvel too. I was like, I just, I needed something else. And then mm-hmm. the indie comic scene blew up, you know, and I was like, okay, here it is. And I tried it out and it was amazing. You know, you got well, these just, new characters with new stories. Yeah. Well, it's just the quality of storytelling is, is so my, my friend were talking about this when I went out to get my new hard drive. Cause I couldn't say so my storage space is all full. Cause it's a computer. It's like 2018, this tower. And we're talking, but he said the new writers, the artist, he said, the, this is his hot take. He's, he has the most hottest takes where my brain is in there going like, you, you you generally think that I have to look at it with a side eye. Like, there's no way you think that. But he, he said it's like the art is better now compared to what it was back in the day, but the stories are worse because the execution is bad. Some of these guys, yeah. the ideas are even though they're politically, I don't agree with these people, the story's there. They have the right idea. The execution is what they mess up on every yeah, time. That, every time. Yeah. And the art the ideas great. are awesome. Yep. Like the artist, I don't always think the art is bad in every new book now. It that's just not true. But it's the story. They're just bad. They're just bad. Or they start out really strong and they just teeter off a cliff. You're just sitting there like, going like, what happened? It's <laughs> like you were going you were doing so well and then you went full potato. What the hell happened? Full potato is like, an understatement. He's been going full retard here. <laughs> no, see, you went full retard. You never go full retard. Everybody know that. I just I just don't get it with some of these guys. Blows my mind, honestly. Um, I I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if it's they're being pressured on deadline, which could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any of these artists and writers, and I'm gonna catch shit for this. I know it. Um, it don't take you that long to write a comic book as compared to the artist. So I'm gonna call. I'm gonna cause that debate right now. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, no, I agree. Actually, I, I, you can write. You can write a book faster than the person can get the sequential art done. The person gets their sequential art done. All the panels, dialogue, everything. Before you are done as a writer, you kind of—I'm just saying—you're you're lazy or you're trash. Just saying. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. It's a way harder job. You're literally just typing yeah. up a story. The person is drawing out the story, panel by panel. All the panels you have on there. You have a big action scene. You probably do detailed work. 
This person saying they can't get a, a written story done? Like, come on, man. Like, it's bullshit. Dude, when I when I switch from analog to digital art, mm-hmm. um, the the amount of detail I'm able to throw into stuff because I can mm-hmm. zoom in. Um, I'm put I'm putting detail in and stuff. That mm-hmm. I've never put I mean I've put detail in my work before. Um, but holy damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the amount of detail I because I'll draw it and I'm like, mm, it's not detailed enough. I think this brick needs some more cracks in it. So like I'm totally doing Uncle Todd's approach to things. Like, see this window pane? See this brick? I added this extra brick here. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's going to get covered up by like captions anyway. <laughs> so how, how did you get better at all this stuff too? Because you know how like did all the, all these jobs could be very under overwhelming too. So how did you get better? Let's start here. How did you get better at your writing the complex stories in general? The, the writing just kind of naturally progressed. The more mm-hmm. I did it. Um, see that with writing, you can do theory and application almost simultaneously. I read a shit ton of books. Um, mm-hmm. my favorite one being how to write comics, the DC, DC's mm-hmm. guide to writing comics with, uh, Danny O'Neill, big fan of Danny O'Neill. I've read mm-hmm. probably a thousand Danny O'Neill books. So mm-hmm. I'm very accustomed to the writing style. My, my biggest dilemma was writing it in the format. Because I had to write it in the format because knowing that one day it's not going to just be me reading it. Mm-hmm. Some other artist is going to read this and it has to make sense to them. So I really had to adopt that screen screenplay style of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sketch things out too. That's the benefit of being, being able to draw and write mm-hmm. is that it, when it comes to my head, I can sketch it out. I'm like, oh, okay, here's how the story is. And then I'll put it in the words uh, and throw some dialogue in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting better is just like anything else. Um, I, 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 I'm going to catch shit for this too. Because I'm sure there's some people that think my writing sucks, but that hasn't been the case so far. I've never gotten an angry letter or email about how horrible my writing was. It's usually like, hey, man, that one panel didn't make no damn sense. And I'm like, uh, you got me there. I phoned that one in. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I was, I, was on a bu- I was on a timeline. You know, I had to get it done. So... The writing thing is just, it's a lot of research. I'm sure my FBI agent that looks at my stuff is like, why is he looking this up? You know, why is he looking up ancient, you know, Aztec gods and things like that? I'm like, oh, it's going in a story somewhere. You know? So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's like anything else. It's the more you do it. Um, so when I was really getting into, you know, the writing side of things, no, I, I was writing down every little crazy thought I had and tried to make a short story out of it or anything, mm. you know, stuff like that. Um, it's gotten to the point now where I've put short stories into science, fi- uh, military science fiction stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm on Amazon as an author, and I'm like, nah, I did not see that on my bingo card of life. <laughs> you know, what about art uh, actually? Because you said sequential art was really hard initially. So how did you get uh, better with it over time? Uh, it was a lot of study. It was a lot of repetition. Um, I draw at least an hour a day minimum. Um, and th- and that's my advice to just about any aspiring artist. Like if you want to get good at this craft, spend at least an hour. Working at least stuff that. Yeah. Learning. Anyone can spend yeah. an hour of learning if you claim yeah. you love it so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a passion thing. Uh, sometimes you don't get, you, you, you can, everybody can siphon off an hour out of their life. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe go to bed a little later. Maybe wake up a little earlier. I, I, mm-hmm. you know, I actually like waking my, up early, honestly. Because <laughs> I feel like yeah, if I sleep throughout the whole day, my life is done, honestly. If I sleep the whole day, oh, yeah. I'm like, like 
Dude, that's me right now. I'm in recovery. I had a stroke on New Year's Eve. So yes, I was going to say, I'm glad you feel better, man. Because how was that? That must have freaking sucked. That was like, weird. It was like somebody. Was you um, something wrong? Was your blood no, pressure? No, uh, I, I had a blood clot that got into the thalamus, the middle part mm -hmm. of my brain. And it, it felt like someone was in my brain shutting off switches to my body. What the heck? So. Like I was walking to the kitchen because it's New Year's Eve, man. It's a party. I had the day off. I had the next day off. So it's like, we're going to have a nice spread, nice charcuterie board. I know, fancy. It's nothing more than assorted cheese and meats. But I was excited about it. I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to break into that summer sausage I bought earlier. This can be awesome. So I'm walking to the kitchen to help out and start putting things together. And my left leg, my that was the first thing to go. It's like from the knee down, it felt like it was encased in concrete. So I was like eventually dragging into the kitchen. My wife said, how long ago was the stroke then? You said about what, a month ago, generally? Uh, two, it was New Year's Eve. So. Oh, that, that must've sucked. Oh God. It, oh yeah. I, I spent New Year's Eve in the, uh, in the hospital and, and six and five days. That also that. wasn't on your bingo card for 2024. Either. Definitely not on my bingo card. I was always, <laughs> I was expecting heart attack. Uh, eventually, you know, from doing comic books. <laughs> so that happened and I was like, what the hell? But it was mostly, it affected my left side mostly. Um, mm -hmm. it, was, it was a mild stroke. Uh, I'm thankful for that. We caught the signs early. I was able to get to the hospital within a half hour after I show, was showing symptoms. Um, you know, so they pumped me full of a super blood thinner to, to get the clot out. Mm. That's what they did. But there was still a little bit of damage. It's essentially mm. brain damage. Um, so there's things that I have to to do to recuperate and recover from this. Because um, I, was I wasn't really walking the first couple of days. And then I saw physical therapy. And I started walking mm. with a walker. And I eventually was able to come home. Mm. And then I went from the walker to the cane. And I bought a badass cane. It has a lion's head on it with a crown. It's very pimp. You know, I was like, I can't, I'm going to use this cane even if I get better. What was the reaction from like your wife and your kids? Were they like just like thinking you were going to die or something? No, they they know I'm stubborn and I'm tough and mm -hmm. uh, that I was going to recover from it. Um, I think my wife was probably the most scared because she's like, I don't know. Because, you know, we're in love even four years later, you mm -hmm. know, um, scared the hell out of her. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I'm I'm recovering now, which is great. It's crazy. Uh, you had a stroke, and you were probably putting in more work than people that 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 say their campaigns are late because they're busy. Dude, I was still reading scripts from writers that I have, mm -hmm. and approving scripts and editing scripts um, from from a hospital bed. <laughs> you know, and my writers are like, "Dude, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's talk about uh, page three <laughs> here, especially these panels over." over here mm -hmm. you know we need to talk about that it's like jesus you know even mm -hmm. even the um medical staff they're like your recovery right now is short of superhuman because mm -hmm. you should not be able to do this stuff with mm -hmm. what what happened to you and i'm like i got shit to do man i'm stubborn <laughs> let's go <laughs> yeah because you got a fat factor in dwelling it's, it's something that you know we, bad things happen all the time and it yeah. sucks but dwelling on them literally only makes it worse See, and here's the thing. I, I really credit my experience in the military and going to combat and things like that. It's like I've survived 100% of my worst days. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's all about mentality. It's all about how, perspective and how you view things. It's like I, I 
could do what a lot of people do, like, oh, poor me, and sit and wallow mm-hmm. in it and let your body, you know, deteriorate. I'm over here counting my blessings. My right side, my drawing hand is not affected. I can still do this. I still have mm-hmm. eyesight. I have eyes and I have a hand. I can still crank out awesome artwork. I can mm-hmm. still do that. Anything else, I'll adapt to. You know, that's kind of like when I was in, in Iraq. It's like, if I get blown up, as long as I have my eyesight and my right hand, I could live a good life. Yeah. You know, I'll be happy. So um, I, I'm very grateful for that, that my right side's not really, hadn't been that affected. I mean, I got a little tingle in my index finger, but I can draw mm-hmm. around that. So um, everything else, I'll, I can just work on at my own pace and get it better. So Also, you probably learned the lesson of no more taking on friends or business partners. You're going to do the stuff, just do it on your own at this point. You know? I'm, I'm, I, I'm very cautious about who I let play in my sandbox. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause that, um, that's the gotta, thing is, you know, you have people out there. I'm pretty sure you've seen these debates on Twitter. So like that entitlement, people think they're entitled to like support and all that stuff. It's yeah. just one of those things where people got to understand as someone who does this, if you do it for a long time, cause I, 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 I can tell veteran tactics. Cause I've been doing this for so long at this point, you can tell who's a cloud chaser or who you may suspect me might be a cloud chaser, but then sometimes they might prove you wrong. And you could just tell yeah. right off the bat someone is just only there because they're just trying to I, take the ride, I got you know? I got hired on a book once. Um and it was it was strictly because he thought my fan base would raise his numbers on a crowdfund campaign. And and he wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that makes sense. That's you you want to put a story out, you right. hire me to do it. I bring my fan base. My fan base, the majority of the time is gonna back that, you know. Um but you get to a point where people do that and they're cloud chasers. They're, they're trying to piggyback off your coattails. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they think, oh, well, I hired you, so I own you. And I'm like, mm, no, I can cancel this contract at any time. But that mm-hmm. and I'll contact my friends yeah, and they'll they pull, all the their, they'll pull like, their money. You know, the other thing is like, oh, I made you. I put you on. It's like I told people, anyone that I have on these shows, whether it be one-on-ones or panel shows, we have them consistently. I did not make you. We're just talking to each other or we're just acquaintances, right. friends, what do you want to call it? But never say I, I put you on. No, you came on yourself. You doing everything yourself. Right. You have your own project. That's what you do here. That's yep. your stuff. You, get, you gave mine. me an invite. And I, I love doing podcasts. I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love getting messages out about, I, I love trying to inspire the next generation of artists because mm-hmm. that's all we any artist worth his salt wants to inspire somebody else that eventually is going to pick up the torch where we left things off, mm-hmm. you know, and that's my biggest message to when I, when I go and do podcasts and I talk to people or I do panels at conventions, it's like, I'm, I'm training you to replace me. I'm giving you that inspiration. If I can, that's my goal. That's my job. You know? Yeah. I do it through the artwork, but through, if I can do it through my words, if I can inspire you to light that fire under your ass, to follow your passions and, and be a kick-ass artist. And, you know, one day, Maybe you're drawn Phantom Hawk and you take it to another level that I couldn't before. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's my hopes and dreams. Um, my daughters don't like drawing, so I can't really pass the torch to them. Um, <laughs> so I got to give it to somebody else. Yeah. Well, I, maybe if you draw them a female-aspired character, maybe that might go that way. I, uh, hope, I, I doubt my youngest daughter is going to watch this because that's not her thing. But we created a character together when she was like 11. Um, so that's going to, she's got another year of high school and I, hopefully I get this done. It's just going to be a self published self funded mm-hmm. book, but mm-hmm. I want it. I want to present her on graduation day, mm-hmm. that comic book we created together. 
Hmm. So. Oh, good Lord, man. It's one of these things where I tell people, hey, if you want to go and do something, you got to just buckle down and do it. It's yeah, not going to be just, easy. Just do it. I just forget yeah, what, no, and, and this thing, people don't get this stuff, dude. There are days you, you, you want you want to quit. That's going to happen. There are days you want to go, you know what? What What if I just- Every day. Yeah, yeah. I've Every had damn day, I'm man. I'm like, you know what? What if I just stopped and didn't do this? But I, but then you think to yourself, why? If this if it makes you this happy, why would you ever want to give up, though? You know, yeah, yeah. If you're going to go through frustration periods. You're going to go through days where you're not going to get a backer or a buyer or anything, a sub on YouTube. It doesn't matter. Anything. It happens all the time. You got to just yep. push through it. I had a stroke. That would have been the perfect excuse. Nobody would have blamed me for it. Mm -hmm. I had a That'd stroke. Perfect, perfect out right there. Did, yeah. You know, no, but I, I love doing this. I love this job. Mm -hmm. I love this career. You know, mm -hmm. I have a day job. It's a job. This right here is my career. It's the thing mm -hmm. I'm going to do long after I retire from that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to do it until my, either my hand doesn't work, which I don't think that would stop me either. I'd learn to draw with my damn toes or something. <laughs> but, you know, I'd be like one of those crazy French artists. I'm just drawing with my toes. But it's, it's something I was very, pan yeah, I, I'm passionate about it. I've, it's, mm. it's, it was my first love. I fell in love at nine, 10 years old with this medium. Mm -hmm. And I'll be damned if I ever give it up. Yeah. Do you have any other plans? So last, last things I'll ask you is uh, any other plans you have going into 2024? Yeah, we're, we're working on a, our, our first speedster comic right now with Matthew Jasso, who's done okay. some work for Grok. Oh, I had Matthew on. Yeah, Matthew's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Matthew's amazing. Call, mm -hmm. He calls, calls me a lot. He's, I think he's my mom. Good um, Lord. Love, love Matthew. He's like, hey, man, I had this crazy idea. I want to know if you're cool with it. I'm like, oh, tell me about the idea. And he's like acting it out. He took video of him like doing the action sequences because he, he, does, he does film stuff. He's, he's in the mm -hmm. film industry. So I'm like, yeah, send it over. He's like, also, he's like, yeah. Matt, great job on Black Cobra, you know, that ended up doing very yeah. well on Kickstarter. Uh, well, that's the reason I hired him. Um, mm -hmm. That He was working on that when we first started talking, and then he sent me some story ideas. I'm like, hey, man, I... I think I want to give you an exclusive invite into my sandbox. Hmm. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, <laughs> I got a, I got a speedster that's yeah. from Dallas mm -hmm. and I, I need a speedster guy. I need something like, are you a fan of the flash? He's like, hell yeah. I'd write the hell out of that. I'm like, well, you're on dude. Clock's ticking. Get writing. So just, the, and we got an artist too that we're testing out and he's doing a fantastic job. So we're going to do the speedster. We're going to get, Corvid and Sparrow out. I've been teasing that since Avachi was created in like 2017. Um, that's my my dynamic duo. Uh, it's a female-led team. Um, deals with not only superhero stuff, but like you deal with the occult and uh, ancient gods, things like that. Um, I'm really excited about that. I want to get... I, I know I talk shit about reboots, but we're doing a reboot of Phantom Hawk, which Matthew is also attached to, and he's doing mm -hmm. a fantastic job on that. So, all right, everyone gets their one get a Joe Free card. It will be that. That's bad. right. Yeah. It's going to be that. Because uh, what are you going to do even, differently this time than the last time you did it? Honestly, um, the last writer wrote Phantom Hawk as if he was writing a Batman story. That probably is not good. You know, there's a lot of similarities between Phantom Hawk mm -hmm. and Batman, but um, not enough to where if you you just took an old Batman story and decided to just mad yeah. live it. With you Batman. want your character to stand out differently. Yeah, makes sense. Right. Uh, 
and, and that's the thing with Phantom Hawk is that um, he's, I've jokingly called him a poor man's Batman. He's not. Um, he's, he's an amalgamation of everything that inspired me as a kid. He's, he's got Batman in him. He's got the Punisher in him. You know, he's a super, he's a special forces soldier that got um, severely wounded in Afghanistan and was put into a government sponsored program using nanotechnology to regenerate bone and tissue. So when he, you know, got injured, he lost limbs, he was horribly burned, you know, and this net, these nanites were able to regenerate him. Side effect is that it makes you almost immortal. However, side effect is it can only stay in your body for about six months before it starts killing you. And that was a fail safe to keep people from going rogue after they get injected with these nanites. So the whole MacGuffin is, is that he's constantly trying to save his own damn life. So he's not tied to a city, you know, it's not like, oh, well, Crestview City, this is, this is my city, you know, and I'll protect it. No, it's like, no, this corporation's holding out on me because they got shit that I need to survive. And they're an evil corporation, you know, global con conglomerate that deals with everything, you know. So the digger, the, the further he digs into that company and how it relates to him, um, more surprises, more villains show up, you know. So it, it, it keep, you keep the story going on for many years. Um, Matthew's the first person to understand the character outside of myself. Nice. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm not writing this. I'm not writing a Punisher book. I'm not writing a Batman book. I'm going to write this Phantom Hawk story, and I'm going to display what he can and cannot do, his strengths and weaknesses. And he sent me a nine-page sample, and I was like, Dude, keep going. I'm like, how, how many issues? You can do all the issues. How many do you want? He's like, I'm thinking four to six. And I'm like, done. Just write it. Make it awesome. I'm going to draw it for you. So he was like, all right, cool. Get the creator himself. It's like getting Todd McFarlane to come back to draw and spawn. You know? Not that I'm Todd McFarlane. I like to think of myself that way sometimes. Maybe after someone a couple of rich, we're all we're, we're we're just rich like Tom and Fallen, aren't we guys? No, we're not. Oh man, I'm just rolling butt naked in quarters. But I wish. Good lord, man. He's rolling butt naked in hundreds. That that's why that's why I tell people, you know, there's not much money to be made here. Like you're literally doing it basically really for are. the passion. Yeah. And like, you, you have can't to. make money, that's awesome. Like I if anyone makes money doing their books, that's awesome. But for people to think that, that there's that's, some big money grave here, it's like, yeah. bro, there's no money yeah, grave here. This is not the get rich quick scheme that most people think it is. You know, mm -hmm. they, they see the numbers on literally do anything else except this. Then that's what you want. Yeah. Go, go, go be a, a hedge fund manager, deal with stocks, you know, go, go make your money. If that's what you're into. If, if you're into telling a story and you're passionate about it, this is definitely the road for you. And I, I'm, I'm going to quote Jack Kirby here, the great, the, you know, mm. Jack, the King comics will break your heart, kid, you know, and they will. True. Mm -hmm. There, like I said, there's, there's every day I wake up wanting to quit, and it's not because I'm not passionate about. It. It's not because I lost love for the art form or anything like it. It's because it's freaking hard. It's a hard job, you know. You, you sometimes you sit there alone mm -hmm. in the shower, and you're like, "Why the hell do I keep doing this to myself?" And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, that part of your brain that comes in is like, "You do it because you fucking love it, man." <laughs> So I'll, I do it like when I was trying out for, you know, the Ranger Regiment. I looked myself in the mirror every day because every day was hard. And I just told myself, you know what, we'll quit tomorrow. 
And the next day I tell myself again, I'll quit tomorrow. And then eventually I just ran out of tomorrow's to quit from. And I just kept going. So I do the same thing. I'll, I'll quit tomorrow and I'll still find my dumb ass in here drawing for an hour, you know, <laughs> at least, you know. Oh, what do, so, we, what do we want to focus yeah, on today? Black Phantom Hawk reboot. You also have uh, what you're going to be working out with the uh, speedster character you said. Yeah. Quick uh, do, do you have like any other social media, like YouTube channels or anything like that? I do. Um, you can find me at Nick Garber Art or Nick Garber Designs on YouTube. Um, I do a lot of uh, drawing tutorials on there. Okay. Um, I try. I try to make it easy for anybody else that wants to learn how to draw. Okay. Um, there's also Apogee Comics or Apogee Indies at Gmail, which you'll find on mm-hmm. on YouTube, and that's usually where I'll do the company stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, um, both at Nick Garber Art and at Apogee Comics. Um, I I got to get better on the Apogee Comics side. Usually, I'm just kind of promoting myself, and I'll tag tag the company in there, but mm-hmm. sometimes that throws off the algorithm. Uh, <laughs> you, can find me on, you, can, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Nick Garber art there, Apogee comics there. Um, you can find my personal page. Uh, I'm kind of boring now. So like, sure. Add me as a friend. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where you can find, I, I'm all over social media. There's some ones that like, I haven't mm-hmm. been on rumble yet. Um, you can also find me if you want, if you want to hear me talk about, Really nerdy stuff. I'm on the uh, I'm a co-host on the Blaster and Blades podcast, which you can find on Rumble and mm-hmm. BitChute and all those other things. So I'm a huge fan of nerd culture. You know things that used to yeah. get me uh, sho- shoved into a wall locker. You know, yeah. And nowadays, you you it can actually be cool to do these kind of things. Back in the day, uh, you admit you like anything probably besides like maybe Dragon Ball Z. Uh, people were not talking to you at all. Yeah, you were like shunned. It's like I brought up a geek reference once in high school because I went to high school in the nineties. Yeah, uh, everybody on the football team was like, "You freaking nerd!" I'm like, "Oh no, nah, man, I'm just playing around so I can make fun of the other dorks," <laughs> you know. So, and then years later, they're like, "Hey, man, we see you doing the comic book thing. I always believed in you." And I'm like, "No, you didn't. You tried to put my head in a toilet once. Come on." Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you're a fan now, but you weren't a friend back then. What what are you doing? Then I'll ask you the last thing, which is uh, any shout-outs you want to give to anyone in particular and anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, Yeah, I want to give a shout-out to Grok and his Mm -hmm. comics. I want to give a shout-out to Joe Spicer and um, (sighs) – it's the trouble of the stroke. Sometimes you have trouble remembering things. Um, Star Cross Mm -hmm. Comics. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Matthew Jasso. Good friend of mine, awesome writer. I want to give a shout out to Unparalleled Comics, even though we broke ways back in the day. You guys put out some good stuff. Um, I want to give a shout out to you, Master Swag King, uh, for allowing me to. That's you. Oh, I'm black. Yeah, that's right. That's right here, Master Swag King. Um, oh God, what the heck? That 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 guy sounds hot, sexy, and rich. He is, and I'm as hetero as you get, and I do. <laughs> um, well- I'll drop the YouTube channel right here for you in the private chat. Okay. I'm putting out sort of love more consistently. It wasn't like I never. It's like it's not like I go weeks without uploading. That that that's not a thing. But I had to kind of stop uploading as consistently enough because I um stuff happened. Let's just say that you know, dude, 287 episodes. That's impressive. That's for that. Yeah. So the so the uh Cloud Nine podcast, the League of Legends one. That one's. That one just recently hit 200. It's at 209 come tomorrow. This one is 287. Ooh. But the podcast wow. story, that's, a, that's another thing. So basically, 
I started podcasting in 2020. COVID started because StreamYard became a thing in 2020, essentially, I think. Yeah. I had my original show. It was called The Real Takedown. I, I, I thought it was terrible. So I deleted all the episodes. I thought it was straight garbage. I couldn't even look at it. I was like, like why'd you delete them? I was like, they're trash. I was like, but I like, no, you didn't. Shut the fuck up. I know you didn't like them. You were, you were obviously on a substance when, when you were watching my stuff. That's yeah. how I feel about um, yeah. some of my drawing videos. Is I'm, like, I'm a stuttering mess. Like You get me in a room with people. Yeah, I'm kind of a social butterfly. But mm-hmm. if it's just me and like nobody's interacting, I'm like, oh, okay, nobody, I guess, gives a shit. So I'm just going to log off. <laughs> you know? Before that, it was Reflections, which I used to do back in the day on Skype to see the second person there. Because being a streamer back yeah. in the day. Then, then I had the YouTubers podcast. We had those two first. So like, those are trash. Then I start, I thought this would be better. Which until you real takedown, terrible. Three attempts already out the road, bad. And then I restarted it over with the Nightwing podcast. And then I rebranded the one-on-ones to the Batman podcast. And I had another podcast for Yu-Gi-Oh. Then we had one for like Illuminati, which is that eventually stopped. I had one with my friend that was in real life. Basically, they they totaled to like about 514 episodes. Then my oh, then wow. I, my original channel got taken down because you know, liberals and their BS, honestly. Then <laughs> I only yeah. so I was just I ended up with the Cloud Nine podcast, which is that's just League of Legends. So when I rebranded again to this show, I wanted to do everything. That I was doing on my other shows on this one, so everything should be the, the one-on-ones, the Yu-Gi-Oh stuff, er- everything here. So now I just have two shows yep. now, but the episodes go on podcasting platforms. So don't feel bad about restarting stuff. I mean, technically, Apogee is my third company. The first company I ever made was Blackjack Comics, and oh I went, no, I made- that, that part sounds pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, I I really loved. I had an awesome logo for it. Mm-hmm. It was great, and then uh, Bad Business Partner. I have a history of those. Bad business partner uh, thought they were running things and they could do it without me. And they were like, oh, well, you got to leave your characters. I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't because that's all copyrighted to me. It's in the uh, Library of Congress. It's got my name on it. <sighs> and then Lord. I found some other people, uh, Gorilla Comics, and then we met mm-hmm. with uh, Move the World Comics, became Apogee. If you made so, a Gorilla Comics a thing and you had a logo of a monkey and you're a white guy, just imagine the memes that would come out of that. Oh, God. I spelled it like Gorilla Warfare. So, um, and I, I put the logo was like a skull that looked kind of like Shiggy Gamera. It was Lil Beret. I thought that was hilarious. Because um, it looked like one of the skulls from uh, Ghosts and Goblins, mm-hmm. like the, the PlayStation edition. So I, God, I thought that was hilarious. I still look it up and I'm like, oh, man, that, that was, that was way too funny. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe I came up with that. Um, so yeah, starting over is not a big deal. Um, it's just the grind to get to the point where you're at. Like it is. You, you always they're like, well, if I start over, I, I got to get all the way back to that point. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I would always say restart if you think you you can do it way better than the first time around. Because when I look back on yeah. some things, I'm pretty sure you have the other thing too. When you look back on something, you're like, man, if I just did it so much differently back then, it could be a much better product overall. Right. You know. Yeah, uh, the philosophy I have is um, I don't. I've never lost. I either win or I learn. So, um, and each time I've had to restart anything in my life, it's I'm not starting over. I'm starting from experience. So I know what worked and I know it didn't work. And you know, I think it's maybe pretty successful so far because I've I've never learned anything from my successes. I've always learned things from my failures. So. Um, if you keep that mindset going, like that. yeah, <laughs> it really is. And life's a hard teacher. It don't give a crap about nothing. It'll beat you down. Like Rocky said, um, 
I'm a huge pop culture junkie. So yeah, I, I, I speak in movie on. quotes. <laughs> next time you come on, yeah. we'll be able to talk, talk, talk about the other things we, we didn't get a chance to talk about today. You know, like the other movie side of things oh. and Star Wars, actually, you know, that's been oh. Star Wars has been a clear <laughs> shit show. My living room looks like Lucasfilm threw up on it. I'll, I'll send it to you on, <laughs> on Facebook. Um, I got a full-size biker scout with Grogu in a handbag. Um, I used to be able to fit into it back when I was young and thin. Yeah, man. If you want to come on, well, we have panel shows, you know, throughout the week. The panel shows yeah. are Monday, Tuesday, Friday, <laughs> Saturday. Unless we do the Wednesday top G's where we're going with the com comic book book stuff then, you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, any of those, let me know. And, uh, well, because we get a little spicy on those shows, and it's like you know, talking about like it's a mixture of real. It's it's like back in the day, you talk to some friends, you you, you might yell and disagree, but nothing happens afterwards. Yeah. It's all good. Definitely look look through them to see if you, if it's your style for the panel shows. You know, don't you get you a deer in headlights? You know, <laughs> I'll let you on in a seat. Let you in on a secret. Mm, good, because liberals suck, and those people are trash. We just yeah, saying you, really we're, we're part there's, no of, such, there's no such thing as a Decepticon I, kid. Just saying. Yeah, I I love liberal money too. Um, mm. I'll take their money. Well, God, that's gonna make me sound bad. Oh, like, I'll like take Kelly, anybody's money, really. Just like that hack, Kelly Sudaconic. If you don't like your politics, you can still buy your books. That's true. That absolutely. You know, yeah. my my comic books for everybody, and mm. and that's the beauty of them. You'll see. Um, I'll, I'm also gonna send you some digital stuff. Hell yeah, um, man! Anytime. That you take a look at it. Yeah, you can do a show on it. Rip me to shreds. Oh, Put God. me on. Oh. Rip me to shreds and have oh, me no. defend it because I think that'd be. Watch you come back on like Friday for a panel show. Like, what did you do to me? I, was, I didn't do anything. That was my 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 twin brother actually. Uh, yeah, that was Rick Garber who did that. <laughs> um, he he paid me a lot of money to draw that shit. So I don't. That was know. my white clone <laughs> called LSK. Actually, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, bring we'll it up to him. him. I got to get some food before before we do our ice song number one spoiler discussion. But yeah, man, great to have you on. Uh, next panel show is going to be on Friday if you want to come on. So okay. we'll yeah. attention to you then. I'm busy. Yeah. I'm pretty we'll, sure I'm free. <laughs> be, be nice to have you part of the you know the panel shows and what we got going on here, yeah, man. Absolutely. See you guys yeah, later. Have a great day, everybody. Back.